This is Framework Leadership. I'm Ken Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Today, I'm sitting down with Carla Harris. Carla is an influential leader, public speaker, and an accomplished gospel singer. She has been a force on Wall Street for over 20 years, where she is currently a vice chairman, managing director in the Interinstitutional Advisory Group at Morgan Stanley Investment Management. Uh, Carla was named to Fortune Magazine's list of the 50 most powerful black executives in corporate America. 2013, she was appointed by President Barack Obama to chair the National Women's Business Council. Carla is also author of the book Strategize to Win and of Expect to Win. It's my pleasure to welcome back Carla Harris to Framework Leadership Podcast. Uh, Thank you. Let's jump right in. I mean, uh, you know, with so much going on right now in our world in relation to the uh, coronavirus uh, epidemic, what what advice would you give uh, to leaders who are trying to guide their organizations through this crisis? Yes, I'd say three things that I would say to leaders. First of all, be as transparent um, as you possibly can about what you know, when you know it, and how you're thinking about the overall situation. The second is communicate often. When I think about Uh, The best examples of leadership that I saw during the financial services, those chairmen, CEOs who were in front of their senior leaders uh, as often as possible, I think created a a level of confidence and a level of calm, even though that was a major meltdown that many people had not seen before. And then a third thing is I say, get people to migrate towards the things that are their steady eddy, if you Uh, will. You know, for me, uh, faith is a big part of my life. So I think about the scriptures that really matter a lot to me. So what Whatever that is for your people, I would encourage them to go to that thing because those are the things that are not going to change no matter what. Situations change, context change, but those things that are tried to tried and true, they're not. So stick to those. Yeah. In talking about communicating, uh, is there a time when you can say too much? I mean, how do you how do you approach? Yes. You know, I, I don't think that there's a time that you can say too much, especially if you've already positioned yourself as a pretty transparent leader. Sure. So if people uh, are used to your saying, listen, here's what I know. I don't know any more than that. And I'm not drawing any conclusions, but I want you to know what I know when I know it. I think you have to put some context around it so that, again, if, now if it's out of the ordinary and you have not been perceived as a very communicative or, or transparent leader, then I think you're going to have to set that up, that here's what you're doing. And now, and here's why. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about the markets real quick. Yes. What, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I tend to be a bull, and I think once there is some certainty around. Uh, how we're going to manage this, what the antidote to the virus is, the incidence of uh, new cases that starts to go down and people feel like they have their arms around what this trajectory looks like, then I think the market will calm down. You won't see these wild swings up 1,500, down 2,300. I do think, however, that this is probably going to have a residual economic impact. So again, if there's uncertainty around how deep that negative impact is, then that's really going to continue to unsettle the markets. But I think they stabilize uh, around May. Uh, but I do think the uncertainty of the political environment will sort of keep it in a trading range, if you will. Yeah. So a lot of decisions, navigation, uh, yeah. as, as, as people go through this crisis. Um, and I know in your field of work, you often face big decisions with potential long-lasting um, effects. Uh, how would you describe your process when it comes to decision-making? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. I try to look at what's in front of me now, what has caused this, what the implications are for all the constituents, you know, who wins, who loses. Um, And then I try, if I can, to kind of think about how things might look just two years out. I no longer try to think about five years out and 10 years out because the rate of change and innovation is so fast. I think that that's a, a, a moot exercise. But just think about what the context could be two years from now and what is the decision that's going to give me the most choices around whatever the new context might be. That's how I think about it. When you when you think about crisis and and, and decision making, what is a foundation? What's foundational to you um, in the midst of a crisis? I think understanding what the facts are. Okay, that's foundational. What what are the facts today? What are the things that trip up leaders in decision making? Do you think? I think um, fear actually is probably the biggest thing. Uh, if you are really afraid of the outcome, you're afraid of what you're going through, you're afraid of your own decisions, you're afraid of being wrong, I think those are the things that could create paralysis, that could make decision-making slow, um, that could cause you to listen to the wrong people. Good leaders, as I have observed them, they they have three or four people that they go to for good counsel. They avail themselves to experts. So if it's something they don't know, they don't understand, they go straight to, well, who who is the best immunologist or who is the you know infectious disease specialist in the world? How can I get access to them? They make sure that they uh, leverage all of the resources, especially the intellectual resources that are around them. Yeah. Uh, one of your passions is empowering young women for executive leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you share with us some advice you might give to uh, our ladies in the audience who want to have the kind of impact that you've had yes. uh, in your in your career. First thing I would tell them is own your power. Each of us have power. And if you're at the point where people are thinking about you for executive leadership, then you have a lot of power. So don't discount your intellect. Don't discount your experience. Um, and make sure that you, you're owning it. You're sitting in all that is you, number one. Number two, don't be so preoccupied with performance um, that you fail to build the key relationships that will get you to the senior ranks because it will not be heavily weighted towards the track record. It's going to be somewhat weighted towards the track record and heavily weighted towards who's in your corner and who's fighting for you actually to get that opportunity. And then the third thing is I would say don't be afraid to go into uncharted waters. Mm. Sometimes uncharted waters are the things that will get you to a leadership seat a lot faster. Yeah. You recently had the opportunity to be the opening keynote speaker for the Global Women's Forum in, yes. in, in Detroit. What's your favorite place you've traveled for speaking, and 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 how how is that? Uh, how does that give life to you? Yeah, I'll tell you. Most recently, uh, the, my last two international trips, uh, one was Dubai, and the other one was Helsinki, Finland. Oh, wow. And while I had been to Dubai before, um, to, I had been there just personally, but I went for the Global Women's Forum uh, 2020 in February, and in November of 19, I went to Helsinki, and it was an amazing experience because that was an audience um, and a geography that I had never gone to, to go to Finland. And to be able to have an impact with the message there uh, was very inspiring for me. You know, one of the biggest challenges we face, I think, is the perception of others yeah. in, in, how, in, in leadership. How do you stay true to yourself even when some may disagree with your decisions? Oh, if, I, I think disagreement is good because, in fact, if someone has a really good argument for disagreeing with me, I'm probably going to learn something. So I don't have a problem with when someone disagrees with me. What, what, where I would have a problem, Dr. Engel, is if they're being unfair around the decision that they're making. But if you and I disagree, then we just disagree. Yeah. Um, in your TED Talk, you talk about the power of, uh, of sponsorships and how it is less likely for 
people for even women to gain sponsors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd love to dive deeper into that. What are, uh, you know, why are sponsorships so important in business? Yes, because as I referenced earlier, when you get to more senior positions, people really are not evaluating one report card against another. They really are thinking about who's going to be successful. Why do I think folks, uh, this person is going to be successful? Um, Can I coach this person if things go awry? So I spend my capital on you and it's not going well. Do I trust that you will listen to me to actually right the ship at the end of the day? And those the sponsor is the person who knows you well enough to be able to make that case. But if you don't have anybody that knows you like that and that's willing to spend that currency on you, you may be the best qualified person. You may, in fact, be the person that could really make a difference in that role, but nobody's going to make the bet because they don't know you well enough. That's why sponsorship is so important. Yeah, you said uh, before that connections are currency. That's uh, exactly right. How, how, can you de- how do you develop that relational con- yes. currency? Well, I tell you, you have to be intentional about building the relationship. So if there's somebody you want to build a relationship with, you find ways to intersect with them. Notice I said frequency of touch is what what helps you build the relationship. So you find ways that you can intersect with them or drop by their office or, or ask for a coffee. But the more you spend time with them, the more they get to know you, the more they feel like they know you, and the the greater the probability that they would speak affirmatively behind closed doors when you're not in the room. But you have to be intentional about finding ways that you can intersect, finding a conversation that you can bring up, finding a question that you can ask when they're speaking. Now, how, how, let me ask you this. How can you recover uh, connection currency if you have failed yes. at it to a degree? Yes. If you had a relationship impairment, then I think you have to own it. That's the first step to repairing it is to go and say, listen, Dr. Engel, I know I made a big mistake. You trusted me um, and I goofed. Here's why I goofed. It's not an excuse, but here's what I did. And I hope you will give an opportunity to repair our relationship because it was important to me. Um, and I'm going to do everything I can to regain your trust. And so just look out for me because I'm, I'm coming back to Come fix it. To fix it. You know, um, uh, you often uh, uh, talk about uh, the importance of collaboration and the power of we mm-hmm. and how important that is. What is one way to build strong relationships that create that synergy, that environment for collaboration. To actually speak it, be very liberal in your environment using the we and in front of people that might have had just a little bit of a contribution to whatever the outcome, you bring them into the win and no matter how small. And the more you do that, the more you will create that environment of we and people will again start to trust you because you are liberal with the praise, you are liberal with the currency of having done something really wonderful on, you know, on a project. Yeah. You um, let me ask you this, and I love the statement because you you talk about in the midst of all this, it's it's all about uh, competitive advantage, mm-hmm. how to own that competitive advantage. Tell me a little bit more about what that means and how it produces really authenticity that you talk about. Absolutely, and I because nobody can be you the way that you can be you. It's the one advantage you have. We can all learn math. We can all learn English. We can all learn another language. But the way you speak to somebody, the way you engage with somebody, the way you touch with somebody, nobody else can do that because you are unique. Now, they too can have a relationship. They too can engage. But the way you choose to do it that is authentically you gives you that advantage, right? And so I tell people, understand what is what is the power of you? Who are you at the end of the day? How are you distinguished? What are you bringing different to the table? And it could be that thing that really makes a difference in your, your winning a piece of business or your winning an argument. 
When you look uh, at culture today mm-hmm. and and where we're at, what are what do you think are the top three, four challenges that leaders are facing right now to navigate? Yeah, yeah I think the big issue in corporate America now with leaders are, are how to engage with millennials, right? And two years ago when I was talking to senior people, that was the big thing. They were oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this uh, this generation? They are not loyal. They don't want to stay. They want to become vice presidents in two years. Yeah. And I, that has not been my experience at all in dealing with millennials. They are loyal. They want to know that you are investing in them. They are inquisitive. I like the fact that they question the way things have been done because it pushes the edge of the envelope and gives us the op- opportunity to innovate more often than we would with something that we thought was tried and true. So I think that's a big issue. I think the other issue, obviously, is the uncertainty. There's a lot that's going on in the geopolitical environment. Um, there's a lot that's going on with respect to innovation. You know, what are we going to do about the future of work? How are we going to retrain people? So there's a war for talent right now, and I think that is also on the minds of, of leaders today. Final question before we move into a, a fast round here. Uh, you, you're on our campus today, Southeastern University. Um, you've had a chance to interact with a lot of our students. What what advice uh, would you give these students as they navigate uh, what's ahead, their career, yeah. um, the best way to approach that career? I mean, as you can tell, they're they're very passionate about becoming solutions. There's no yes. doubt about it. So what, what advice do you give? Yes, the biggest advice I would give to any college student is take advantage of all of the resources that a place like Southeastern University has to offer. There are so many different disciplines of study. There are different people. You guys do an amazing job bringing some outstanding speakers and outstanding leaders there. I say, please lift your head out of, uh, you know, devout study and go to some of these events so you can understand how people have forged their paths, their issues, their challenges, how that might apply to your life. But take full advantage of the resources. That's one of the reasons I'd go back to college again like this, because I was so focused on the academics, so focused on making sure I made dean's list and graduated with honors that I think I missed a lot of engagement that Harvard had to offer. Yeah, that's good. Great advice. Hey, we're going to close this out with a quick fire round. Appreciate again the, the chance to have uh, opportunity to have conversation with you. Uh, what is your all time favorite book or, or movie that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. favorite movie I would have to say is Sparkle, the original one. Uh, and favorite book, the one that that really changed the way I pray uh, is Transform Your Life by Dr. Reverend Barbara King. Yeah, ah, powerful. What historical leader, living dead, would you most like to have a cup of coffee with now? Oh, a cup of coffee. Oh, Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and what would you want to discuss? I'd want to discuss, you know, his fears, yeah. how he pushed past them anyway. Um, when did he get the aha that this was, in fact, his destiny? Because all the books say that he wasn't really trying to become the guy that was the face of the civil rights movement, yet he kept pushing, he kept moving ahead, and he did. He be, he became that. So I would just like to talk to the man, the leader, and the preacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you uh, two more. I, I had one more, but I want to ask you two more. Outside your work, what are your favorite hobbies or pastimes? Oh, that- I love playing golf. I wish I was better at it. Um, I love singing and in particular recording. Um, and I love uh, hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, final question uh, again, and we've asked this before, but maybe it's changed or maybe you have something new. What's What's the next big dream? 
Oh, well, last time I was here, I said I was going to record another album, which I have done. Okay. And we will release it this year. Um, we did a soft release last year, but we want to release it so that we have a chance to get um, a Grammy nomination. And that is my dream to get a Grammy. I'd like to get a Grammy, but I'll take the nomination at this point. Um, I am about to do my third book. And my big dream is that that becomes a real guide for 21st century leadership. Um, and then lastly, I have a little girl that's four and a half years old, and I want to be an amazing mo mother to her so that she says, you know, 16, 17 years from now, boy, you were an amazing mom. Wow, that's good. You know, I love your, your leadership uh, perspective on, especially uh, when you talk about connection currency, because I mm -hmm. think that's so important. It is not just what you know, but who you know. Absolutely. And, and I think so many... Uh, young leaders miss opportunities to develop that relational uh, currency when they get so focused on producing and accomplishing mm -hmm. and 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 the task. But but what we as leaders know is you can't get anything done alone. Mm -hmm. And and you are such a champion for uh, making sure you have that understanding and yes. mindset. And what I hope all of our leaders who are listening. Uh, to this interview today, understand is that you need other people yes. to accomplish uh, the goals and and calling, and it's always worth investing in in, in relationships. Something which you can tell has paid dividends in your career. Yes. That's that's absolutely for sure. Well, Carla, it's been a pleasure again to talk to you today. Well, thank you, Dr. Engel. It's been my pleasure. And for more on Carla Harris, you can connect with her on Instagram and Facebook at Carla Ann Harris. That's at Carla Ann. Harris, or you can visit her website, Carla's Pearls. Carla's Okay, I want to make sure I had that right. Carla's Pearls.com. Thanks for joining us on Framework Leadership today. Thank you. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.